we shall go on to our Bible reading, our second Bible reading in a moment. I wanted to just say hi and welcome if you are just tuning in through uh, social media, uh, various uh, channels of catch-up. Uh, we welcome you and if you are searching for God, if, you, if you're not sure uh, whether you belong to Jesus or not, then I pray that you might not let Satan distract you today, that you would that you would stay focused because amongst other things I intend to make very clear what the gospel is about today and you should be in you should be in uh, no um, doubt as to what is commanded of you by God, which is that you would repent and turn to him. Well, I'd like to give a special mention to listeners in today, listeners in the Philippines. Hi to you. Also, a few in uh, Romania and also some in South Korea. So, if you're in one of those places, we give you a warm greeting from little old England. And it's, uh, although we don't know you personally, it's a real privilege for us to, to have you join with us because God God can see us all and views us all uh, as one unit for the time of this uh, meeting anyway. Well, don't think there's much else there. So we will go on to this second Bible reading and it's in Mark chapter 15. So we're going through the gospel according to Mark and we are nearing the end. A few more weeks in Mark and we'll be finished. And so obviously we're at the point where Jesus is being crucified. So we're in Mark 15 and we are beginning today at verse 33. Mark 15 then and verse 33 and it reads as follows. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by when they heard it said, Behold, he calleth Elias, or Elijah. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, leave him alone. Let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. This will be the third week we've spent looking at the event of the crucifixion of Jesus. Now next week, God willing, we'll look at what happens at Jesus' death. We considered last time how it was that he could not save himself. And what we meant was, because of his absolute obedience to the Father and his great love, for us his friends abandoning his mission was not an option well today's passage covers a three hour period from uh, midday to mid afternoon we think and it's believed that this is the time when Jesus is treated by God as if he were the epitome of sin we see a supernatural darkness come over the land 
Jesus shouts up to the heavens as he searches, searches for God, his help, but finds himself abandoned. Now, I've always found this cry of Jesus to be at least as shocking and heartbreaking as his prayer in Gethsemane we looked at a few weeks ago. It would be a mistake to think Jesus marched up to the cross full of strength and confidence as he anticipated the punishment he must bear. If if you tend to think this was your friend Jesus, he's suffering beyond belief, that, that would be closer to the, the truth. For these three hours, he experienced darkness, anguish and death consuming him. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? The cry is so tragic. It dominates this passage and this is why I chose to place it at the centre of my message today. This three hour darkness likely covered the whole of Judea. Not the whole world. Had it covered the whole world, if God intended to do that and had done it, um, we would expect to read about this great darkness in other cultures, but there's, there's no mention of this. It was a local, local event. <clears throat> People have guessed how the darkness was generated. Some, some have assumed it was like an, an eclipse, you know, like we had about 20 years ago. Well, in the UK, about 20 years ago, we had, a, we had this uh, complete uh, solar eclipse and we were plunged into darkness and it went very cold in the middle of the day. Now, of course, th this solar eclipse it, it occurred because the moon, the new moon, moved between the earth and the sun. And in the design of God, the the relative sizes of the moon and the the sun, and also the distances from the earth, are just right. You see, so it it's uh, it gives us this this perfect, beautiful eclipse. But we know the time when Jesus died and. It was it was a full moon. You can't you can't have both the full moon and a solar eclipse. It doesn't work. That that's not that's not really um, realistic. Other people have suggested a giant sandstorm because uh, they're often so dense these clouds of sand that they they do blot out the sun. But again, it was the wrong time of year for that type of phenomenon. Um, a more likely but not certain explanation is. Um, there was extremely dense cloud cover. When Jesus became thirsty, someone, we read, soaked a sponge. There's a sponge on the end of a, a stick and they 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 doubt they um plunged it into this well cheap and nasty wine really. And well it it was marginally better than water, but of course the <laughs> the upper classes wouldn't go near this 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 uh, this stuff. They would have decent wine. They would have the best wine. This was for poorer people. Some of them, some of them claimed that Jesus was crying out for Elijah to come and help him. We're not sure. 
We're not sure whether Jesus was shouting out to God in Hebrew or Aramaic or he started off in Hebrew and finished off in Aramaic. I wouldn't rule out any of those, but... Well, assuming that the people weren't misrepresenting him, you know, um, on purpose, uh, it seems it seems they may well have been giving him a drink to prolong his life a bit more so they could see whether Elijah would come and rescue him. We look back to the old uh, Psalms and we see this little tiny detail of the vinegar, as it's called, the, 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 the rubbish wine, um, as yet another fulfilment of prophecy. It says in Psalm 69 and verse 21, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. What I'd like to do today is propose some answers to Jesus' question. He did ask a question. For what purpose, Father? For what purpose have you been hiding yourself from me? So today I'd like to suggest three answers to that. The first one is because God's, of God's uh, intolerance of sin. So that's why, that's one of the reasons this abandonment took place. We remember that God is holy. He is unique. He is separate from his creation. He's greater than all things. He is the all-wise king of both the material universe and the spiritual realm. Uh, one of the pictures we have of God's uh, dwelling place is of angels encircling the throne crying out holy 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 is the lord god is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory suitable for a triune god the angels describe him in this threefold way he is holy and the whole world is full of his glory the psalmist tells us that god's even god's reputation his very reputation is one of entire holiness. It says here in Psalm 99 and verses 2 and 3, The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and terrible name, for it is holy. You see how his holiness is beautiful to his friends, but terrifying to his enemies. One characteristic of this holiness is it prevents God from having anything to do with sin. He can't commit it. He can't condone it. He can't ignore it. And he can't have it anywhere near him. One way the Bible tries to uh, communicate this to us is by saying God cannot even look at sin. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13 says Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and canst not look on iniquity cannot look on it Now if you're familiar with the gospel you'll no doubt be aware Jesus was counted as a sinful creature and suffered under the hands of his father as a result 
And when God counted his son as sinful, it was so utterly real that he couldn't even, if you like, look at him. And this gives us the first answer to the question Jesus posed. God abandoned Jesus because he cannot tolerate sinfulness. He cannot be in its presence and he cannot fellowship with anyone who is guilty of sin. As I thought about this, this uh, a, a comparison jumped into my mind. I thought about some of the things we find repulsive. I was trying to imagine what what is it that what are those things that that we find impossible to even look at? We're so disgusted by it. Well, maybe not disgusted, maybe just horrified. Well, sometimes if we see a person or an animal that's been in some sort of nasty accident and it's you know sort of limbs are hanging off or it half the, the head is missing or something we can't bear to look at it uh, some people are like that when they when they see uh, surgeons on the television you know opening people up in our house I can think of I can think of one disgusting thing that no one can even bear to look at and it's when one of the dogs vomits right <laughs> that's that's when I get called in to clean it up and I do it because I'm the only one who will clean it up but I find it just as revolting as they do but they can't look at it they they they, they look away it's 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 disgusting to them is that anything like god well when we when we say God can't look at sin, we, we, we have to realise it's a figure of speech, don't we? It's a figure of speech. We know quite well God sees us when we sin. He sees our sinful thoughts. In other words, he can look at sinful things. So when the prophet Habakkuk said God can't even look at sin, what it really means is he must remain separate from it. It's to indicate how he has to keep separate from it. I, I can't, I can't grasp the immensity of the love of God, whereby the Father would knowingly ordain the Son to be in a state of sin that would require this separation. And I say love because all this was done for the benefit of other people, people like me. Only the Son was on the cross. I mean, some Christians believe, based on the doctrine of the, their understanding of the doctrine of the Trinity, some say that the Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit must have suffered at Calvary. Now, the, the, look, these people are no different from the rest of us they're trying to grapple with the mysteries of the trinity and the incarnation but i think they make a mistake here it was the son who suffered on the cross but the father suffered in having to in carrying out the punishment and if you like distancing himself from the son and the holy spirit suffered if you like as he deliberately withheld help withheld comfort from the Son. So at least in that sense we can say that the Trinity suffered on that day. 
So Jesus was abandoned because of God's detestation of sin. He was also abandoned because God needed to have his wrath dealt with, appeased. God doesn't merely have a, a dislike for sin whereby he uh, steers clear of it. He has to respond to it. It angers him. And make no mistake, when he looked down at the figure hanging on that central cross at Golgotha, his anger burst out like a flood. This darkness over the land was was a real phenomenon in this case, but it was also symbolic of something. The darkness over the land mirrored the darkness within the soul of Jesus during those intense few hours. It, now, as we as we mention this darkness, it may it may remind you of that darkness that fell over the land of Egypt just shortly before the Passover in the New Testament, and it's I think it's right that you should connect the two. The curse of God on the whole of unbelieving Egypt is now the curse of God on the head of Jesus Christ. The slaughter of, I don't know, thousands or tens of thousands of lambs to spare God's people from God's wrath has now become the slaughter of the holy lamb of God, also killed to save others, but this time eternally. This theme of darkness is all over the scriptures look at this reference in uh, Zephaniah that day is a day of wrath a day of trouble and distress a day of wasteness and desolation a day of darkness and gloominess a day of clouds and thick darkness that's Zephaniah 1 and verse 15 You can rightly think of this, you know, as a description of the internal state of the soul of Jesus when he took our place. Because he felt wrath and trouble, distress, wasteness, desolation, darkness, gloominess. And so he chose to exchange the, the peace and the, the comfort and the beauty of the heavenly realm for this wholesale misery of soul and if you're a believer today he did that for you darkness in the sky darkness in his soul dumped by his earthly friends and abandoned by his heavenly family utterly alone and that's how it had to be. Why have you abandoned me? This cry of Jesus wasn't a pretense, you know. I think my view in the past was that... I mean, this was a bit awkward for me. So I tried to understand it in some different way. And I came up with some, I'd say, fanciful uh, theories about what he meant. But it's in there. And the fact, the fact that Mark didn't leave this out 
is very telling really it, it tells us of the honesty of Mark uh, under the influence of God his honesty in including a phrase which of course is going to cause problems for believers because it suggests some type of fracture within the Godhead which at the same time cannot be but we go with what we see and I don't think there's any way around this. It was a genuine expression of severe anguish. I mean, speaking physically, lots of people in history have suffered more than Jesus did on that day in terms of bodily, you know, violence. But no one has or ever will experience the grief of soul that he did. There was this uh, tradition, you know, that... Elijah would come and help the Messiah out whenever he was in need I, I think the Jews would have been genuinely exhilarated to see Elijah come down and, and help uh, help um, Jesus even if it would be very quickly followed by the realisation that they'd killed their own king of course Jesus knew Elijah had already come. What we mean is Elijah himself was never coming back. The, the one who was to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah was John the Baptist. And he came in the spirit of Elijah, not as a reincarnation of him. We can't know what was going on in the minds of Jesus at this time, but I, but I expect... I, I suspect that the, the knowledge that there wasn't even Elijah who he could expect to, to come and help him. I think that would add to his, 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 his torment, his feeling of being utterly alone. Feeling that wasn't, hasn't been experienced by any other person. And it was right in that very time of loneliness that Christ had to drink the full cup of God's judgment right to the very last dregs I'd like to read from I'd like to read from um, the psalm which is referred uh, referred to so much here it's psalm 22 so if you want to if you're if you're listening on a podcast, if you want to turn to Psalm 22, well, this is seen as a uh, it's seen as prophetic of the sufferings of Jesus, and this is how this is how it reads. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season and am not silent, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest, inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted and thou didst deliver them, they cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded, but I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. 
but thou art he who took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have encompassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have encompassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare at me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Psalm 22, first 18 verses. Well, many... Many sermons could be written just on that first half of Psalm uh, 22 there. But hidden in that reading, by way of a reminder to us are these words, Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. He's speaking to his Father in heaven. The apparent chaos of his predicament was all ordained by God. And all the suffering was for this purpose, that God would be appeased, that his anger would come to an end. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, one who has, who has approached and does approach God in all humility, uh, who's approached him and begged him to be merciful to you, you never have to fear the wrath of God will come your way. The fury that should have come your way was diverted to Jesus. It saturated his soul instead of yours. So that God's attitude to you now and forever will be one of pure peace and love. God abandoned his son because of his hatred for sin and because it was necessary for this atonement to take place so that his wrath would be appeased but what's it all what's it all about we'll just say a few words now in the third suggestion of an answer to Jesus' question why have you abandoned me why did God abandon him because God wants to bless God intends to bless people. Today's message is nothing short of the gospel. Um, we've seen God is holy and cannot tolerate sin. We've seen that we sin and the wrath of God rightly hangs over our heads from birth. For his own glory, God chose to create a people to save from sin. The son agreed to be their substitute and suffer in their place. And all those people receive forgiveness of sins, adoption into the family of God, and a place with all the other children of God in, in his wonderful paradise. 
We talked a lot about suffering today, the suffering of the Saviour Jesus Christ, but it was to this end that God would save people and bless them with all spiritual blessings. Now, it's true to say God does does all things for his own glory, yes, but that doesn't mean he does all things only for his own glory. Delivering his people from their sin does bring him glory, certainly, but he also delights in them. He delights in us. If you belong to him today, he delights in you. He takes delight in me, despite the ugliness within me, which causes me to daily disappoint God. I somehow make him happy. Listener, if you, if you don't belong to God right now, if you believe he exists but you don't obey him day to day, if you accept Jesus died on the cross but you don't daily pick up your own cross, if you, if you struggle to be righteous but you haven't realised that what you need, the righteous you need, you need is found in Jesus, or if you crave true faith but you haven't actually been to God to, to get it, we urge you today to surrender. You need to stop in your efforts to please God because you can't. You need to you need to speak to God and ask him for mercy. Confess your sinfulness and, and don't hold back. God has perfect perception and he sees your sins as far more serious than you can imagine. You need to convince yourself that you are the worst sinner this world has ever known. Because that's the sort of attitude God delights to see in sinners come into this place of repentance. If you go to God and say, I'm not as bad as others, you know, just forget it. Just go, just go and live a life of sin and just stop bothering God. If you're going to approach God, it needs to be with honesty and don't try to minimise your sinfulness. But how, how would you know, you know, how would you know you're one of those for whom Christ died? Well, that is an invalid question, really. But I'll answer it anyway. You know, you, you know you're one of Christ's elect because of your repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. It's by your sincere approach to him. You reveal yourself to be one of those earmarked for salvation before the world existed. All the prophecy of the Old Testament pointed to Calvary. The salvation they spoke of has at its core this, this day we're talking about today, this day of great darkness and glory. It says here in Acts chapter 3 and verse 18, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Sinner, are you ready to do what we did when we discovered we were sinners? Is this the day, day one of your new life? When this message is finished, or, or right now if you like, go to him. 
some people prefer to have someone with them when they first approach God. If that's the case, that's okay. Find yourself the nearest sort of Bible-believing, evangelical Christian, a true follower of Jesus. And if they're genuine, your request for help in this way will turn out to be one of the highlights of their life, I can promise you. If you don't think you can find someone where you are, you can always use me. You can you can contact me through email or through social media and I'll give you a ring and I'll pray with you over the phone. I can't tell you the joy it brings us as believers to, to just point people to Jesus Christ. Jesus was abandoned because of the offence caused by the sinfulness he'd taken on himself. He was abandoned as a necessary part of the atonement by which God's wrath would be quelled. And he was abandoned ultimately to save sinners like you and me. What I've tried to do today is present the harsh reality of Jesus' abandonment. I want to avoid saying anything which would lessen the awfulness of what he went through. But there is a detail I feel I ought to include as we finish. When we think about the extreme state of the soul of Jesus, that intensity he experienced, we, we shouldn't think it amounted to complete despair. Now, I may have described Jesus' situation in that way. I can't, I can't remember. But what, what I mean now when I use the word is that even at the height of his suffering, Jesus was not without hope. It's not as if he doesn't know what to do. He hasn't lost his mind. He does the right thing. He directs his conversation towards God. And he is sure that his suffering will come to an end. Once again, I find myself lacking really in confidence that, that I understand what went on here. If you're thinking, well, you're a pastor, you should know. Well, I, I apologise. But... I I have the wonderful light of scriptures and I'm thankful for them but, I, but as I come to the scriptures I have dullness of heart and dullness of mind and just a scrap of faith but for what it's worth I'm inclined to think that for those three hours the human nature of Jesus Christ refused to draw on the comfort of his divine nature and it's Jesus in that condition who breaks out with the question of why he's been abandoned. Psalm 22, which I read from a, a, while, a while ago, it, it began with this tortured question. And the tone of the psalm uh, alternates, but it also develops to become more positive, I think, towards the end. And it encourages, it encourages us to believe that despite his intense suffering, Jesus still had trust in God. That is, he still trusted his deliverance was certain and would soon come. Let's read a little bit more from that psalm, Psalm 22. We're picking this up from verse 
19 now. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel, for he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath, hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. Whatever trouble you are going through, friend, whatever trouble you will go through in the future, Perhaps you could take this as a great example. Jesus suffered more than you ever will. And yet, he still held on to this, this trust that God will deliver you, deliver him out of his troubles. And he will deliver you out of yours one way or another. What a great saviour we have. A great, great saviour. I'm going to finish today with a quote by a guy called B.B. Warfield. He says this, We have but one saviour, and that one saviour is Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing that we are and nothing that we can do enters in the slightest measure into the ground of our acceptance with God. Jesus did it all. And by doing it all, he has become, in the fullest and widest and deepest sense the word can bear, our saviour. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself uh, and God, even our Father, which had loved us and had given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Amen. I do thank you for joining me today and I hope the word and insofar as it's being pre preached uh, faithfully and accurately, uh, I hope it's been a blessing to you and I hope it's, it's, it contains something that you can treasure up for today and the days ahead I, I pray God will cement these blessed truths from the scriptures into your hearts that you might not soon forget them I pray you might be built up in the most holy faith and today if you are not one of Jesus's may this be the day when you become one of his friends one of his brothers one of his sisters I shall see some of you on Wednesday at our Zoom meeting. The rest of you, I shall address you, God willing, the same time next Sunday morning. So, bye for now.